Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. It's good to see you all again. I'm curious, I've seen some new faces and uh, some familiar faces. Um, How many of you were here uh, at one point, at any point when we were here previously for the cola clashes? How many of you? Okay, so many familiar faces and a few new ones. Uh, Well, I am Bobby Bosler, as Pastor mentioned, and uh, he and I go way back, all the way back to 2003. We've known each other and we're still friends, which is is good. He's still friends with me if he's not hard to get along with. Um, I may not be all the time, but uh, no, we are, uh, I've honestly been thrilled over the years uh, to get to know many of you, to get to spend time and work shoulder to shoulder with you to reach people with the gospel. And so here this morning, it's a a little bit of a different kind of interaction with you all. Um, You know, I just have to say, uh, one of the things that I found over the years is as I come into a church and as we're doing what uh, our typical kind of ministry is, running our three-night event to bring teenagers in, to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. Normally my ministry to the churches is a little bit more limited. And by that I mean I typically get Sunday. That's about it. And uh, it's really hard uh, in maybe one or two sermons to fully develop what might be on your heart for a church. And one of the things that I have found is that in communicating not just one message, but in really communicating life-changing truth, as much as God is able to speak to us in one message or a couple of messages in a short period of time, I find sometimes to have an extended meeting where you have several days and a number of messages where you can build line upon line and go through a progression in a concentrated period of time. Oftentimes, for me I know at least, those have been some of the most life-changing periods of time. And here this week I'm actually going to be taking you all through a progression uh, this morning, tonight, Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. And so I really do want to request that as we go through this, don't view any one message as a standalone message. Uh, These all are going to work with one another. This is all, we're going somewhere all week long. And so really this morning in Sunday school, I'm building a foundation. And uh, my goal here is uh, in a few short moments here, uh, and I, I do mean that, okay, a few short moments in Sunday school, I want to help set our frame of mind for how we're going to receive the truth throughout this week. Did you know that you can cut yourself off at the knees before the preacher ever even says, please turn in your Bibles to such and such a passage? Because I found that if we come into a message with a a, a certain set of wrong premises in our heart about ourselves or about God, the moment we hear God confront us with perhaps where we've gone wrong, 
click? You know, I found that there's a mentality that we can have about God if we think that God is a certain kind of God. If we, in our minds, think that God relates to us, perhaps as some people have related to us in the past, the moment God gets in our business a little bit, right, we'll think, oh, God's just out to get me. Or, oh, there I go again, constantly messing up. God's got to be sick of me by now. Or, I, man, here it is. God's pointing out an area where I've messed up and I haven't done right. You know, and I'm sure God's up there in heaven thinking, good night, when will this idiot ever learn? I'm about done with them. You know, if we have that kind of a mentality about God, the moment God begins to put his finger on some areas of need and some areas, shall we say, of lack in our lives. We'll click them off and we won't keep listening. So that being said, turn with me to James chapter 1. I want to give a brief challenge here in Sunday school and really try to help frame our thinking. And then I do want to spend some time in prayer here this morning. And you'll see how that all fits together uh, in our Sunday school hour uh, pastor thought it would be good uh, for us to actually break up into groups and seek the Lord's face for what he would want to do in our lives and in our hearts. So we are going to do that before we're done. But in James chapter 1, <clears throat> and we look at verse number 1. I'm, I'm not going to be going through the whole book of James. We may come back to it a little bit later, perhaps. But in James chapter 1, verse 1, here James is introducing his letter. And he says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes, which are scattered abroad, greeting. And I just have to say this, James is writing to a very specific group of people. He's writing to the 12 tribes. You know who that is, right? That's Israel. These are Jewish people that he's writing to. And you know where the Jewish people were from, right? What city, by and large, were they from? Jerusalem. I understand there were more cities that they were, uh, that they were based on, but this James here, this man, he was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And I believe what's going on here is he has a group of people that were a part of his flock that as a result of the intensity of the persecution who literally were uprooted from their hometown and were scattered all throughout the northeastern Mediterranean rim. And these people found themselves in a strange land with strange neighbors now having to seek to support themselves in an environment that was hostile to their ethnicity and hostile to their faith. And these people found themselves in a very difficult situation. They were no longer in familiar territory and they were no longer in a comfortable setting. And James was concerned that the heat of the battle was going to cool their faith. That doesn't make much sense, does it? Yet it's often what happens in our lives, isn't it? The intensity of the situation going on in your family can oftentimes distract us from our walk with God. The intensity of perhaps a, a, a hard time at work or a hard season of life, maybe financially, maybe physically, can at many times 
distract us from our walk with Jesus Christ, and instead of the heat drawing us closer to the Lord, instead it causes us to wander from Him. Well, what we find here is in verse number 2, that is not God's design whatsoever for the challenges of life. He says in verse number 2, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. God's expectation for us is when things go south, when things go bad, when the heat is turned up, when the persecution cranks up, when difficulties fall into our laps, God expects us to get excited and to be happy and to be joyful. But I don't know about you, that's not how I typically respond when those things happen. How about you? When I get a flat, I don't typically think this is great. I typically think this is horrible. Why didn't I see this coming, right? When I get a big bill with something with my truck or something like that or when a meeting cancels or whatever ends up happening, again, you have your own list of things that keep you up at night. I have my own list of things that keep me up at night, right? When those things happen, God's expectation is for us to say, glory, hallelujah, this is great, but you say, you don't understand the trials that I'm going through. You don't understand the things that keep me up at night. There ain't nothing great about them. But see, we can only count it joy if we understand what God is doing through them. That's what he gets to in verse 3. The only way that you can count it joy when you fall into diverse temptations is if you know something. And the thing that he wants us to know is that the trying, the testing of your faith, it does something to you. God's design for the intense trial is to increase your faith. God's the very purpose that God allowed the financial uh, setback to happen is because He wants your faith, your dependence upon Him, your confidence in Him to grow. And so when the difficulty happens, you can say, glory, hallelujah, God is making my faith stronger. And I know you've all heard this, you've studied this, some of you probably taught on this concept in the past, but I'm going somewhere, don't, don't lose me here. Verse number four, he says, instead of trying to escape, instead of trying to just get this trial behind me, here's what I want you to do. Verse four, let patience have her perfect work that ye may be, what's that next word? Perfect and entire, wanting nothing. I want you to understand this. I don't know what you're going through. Everybody here in this room has something they're going through. But whatever it is, I can tell you with confidence in the inspired, inerrant word of God, that God puts you through this test not only to make you better, but God puts you through this test. God is putting you through this valley so that you on the other side can have absolutely everything you need to be what God wants you to be and to do what God wants you to do. You know, have you ever found yourself in life coming up short? Maybe for a bill? <laughs> Maybe you come up short in your know-how? in a particular task that you've been given and you think, I have no idea how to do this, right? Maybe you come up short in fuel on your way home, right? Run out of gas, okay? It's never fun to come up short. But I want you to know God's putting you through the trial, not only to fill up your tank, but maybe to increase the size of it. 
God's putting you through the trial because He doesn't want you to come up short when it matters most. He is expanding your capacity and He is, in a certain sense, making you so that you will not lack in anything you need. See, we have cause to rejoice when we find ourselves in a difficult situation because God is literally in the process of perfecting us, maturing us, bringing us to the point that we have everything we need. So, if you were to look at something difficult that comes into your life, let's just say tomorrow, and if you know what God's doing, you can genuinely look at that and say, this is great. This is awesome. But that being said, why do we still, knowing that, not do that? And I'll tell you why. Because we don't believe what God says about himself. So really what I wanted to focus on here, I said a couple moments, I will keep true to that. Okay? In verse, uh, at the end of verse 4, notice this. He says that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing, lacking nothing, is the idea of that. But look at the next verse, verse 5. He says, but if any of you lack. See, there's this interesting tension in our lives. God's design is so that we lack nothing. That there's nothing that we do not have in order to do what he wants us to do and be what he wants us to be. And yet every single one of us in our lives and in our experience find ourselves maybe knowing in our head that God is really equipping us and bringing us to the point that we do not lack. And yet we still feel our lack, don't we? We still feel like we don't have what it takes. We still feel like we are insufficient for parenting, perhaps. We still feel like we're insufficient for our job. We still feel like we're insufficient in our marriage or in our walk with God. And that perception of lack, even that there, is designed by God to do something for us. He says, if any of you lack, specifically he gives the matter of wisdom here, but when we find ourselves perceiving our lack, here's what we can do. He says, let him ask of God. See, God's design is to bring us to the point where we do not lack. God's design is to bring us to the point where we have everything we need, yet when we come up short, when we feel as if we do not have what we need, when perhaps life puts its bony finger on an area of weakness, on an area of insufficiency, God wants us to respond to that perceived weakness. God wants us to respond to that particular area where we come up short in one way. He wants us to come to him about it. He wants us to allow our perceived weakness to drive us to our knees and to come to God and ask him to meet our lack, to supply our insufficiency. He says, if any of you lack, again, specifically, he gives the example of wisdom, but I believe this would apply to anything that we lack. He says, let him ask of God. And it's very interesting here. He doesn't just say, hey, if you lack, just ask God about it. He goes on and he doesn't just say, ask God. He wants us to think of God in a very specific way. And so therefore he gives qualifiers about God and these qualifiers are tweaking 
shaping our view of God. Here's the thing. If you don't think about God right, you're not going to come to him when you lack. If you have a particular idea in mind when you think about God, when you sense your lack, you'll run from him instead of running to him. Listen, I'm going to be just straight up honest. Some of you here in this room had a dad who was never happy with you who never approved of your life, who constantly pointed out your lack, who constantly criticized you, who always was unsatisfied with your life and your performance. Maybe it was your mother, maybe it was your father, maybe it was some other authority figure or mentor in your life, but you felt like every time you turned around, they just weren't happy with you. You couldn't do good enough. You couldn't perform well enough. And no matter how good you did, they found something wrong with it. And whenever you find yourselves, whether it's uh, through conversation when somebody points out something in your life that maybe is not what it ought to be, or whether it's through the preaching of the Word of God, when God puts His finger on an area of your life that perhaps isn't what it ought to be, or maybe just throughout your life when you sense your own need, you assume that God in heaven is thinking just like that person thought about you, and that God is standing up there in heaven just ready to bop you over the head with your lack. But I remind you, God put the challenges in your life not to punish you for your lack, but to grow you in your lack so that you lack nothing. And when we sense a deficiency, we need to recognize that God is a God who thinks about us in a certain way. And this, this verse tells us how God operates. Okay, so briefly here. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. What kind of God are we supposed to ask? The God of the Bible, but specifically here he says, God that giveth to all men. Did you know that God does not discriminate? There is not a certain group of people, a certain segment of the population that God prizes over another. There are not some here in this room that are the favored and others that are the unfavored. No, that's not how God works. You see, God gives to all. You know what can happen? Maybe because of your life or maybe because of certain things in your life, you might look across the aisle at a certain person and think, well, God gives to them, but he doesn't really give to me. You know, there's that person, you know, look at them. They've got a great family. They're all coming to church and seeming like they're walking with God, but look at me, man. I'm a different kind than them. No, you're not. God gives to all. It doesn't matter whether you've grown up in a good Bible-preaching church your whole life or you just started coming recently. God gives to all. It doesn't matter if you're here and you stayed faithful to the Lord as long as you can remember or whether you're here and you have fallen out of walking with God for huge seasons of your life. God gives to all. It doesn't matter if you've made huge mistakes. It doesn't matter if you in your life are uh, very knowledgeable of the Bible or maybe you can't even read. God gives to all. It doesn't matter if you're here and your kids are walking with God or they're far from God. God gives to all. It doesn't matter here in this room whether you've got a Bible college education or barely got a high school diploma. God gives to all. God does not look at the balance in your bank account. 
God does not look at what part of town you live in. God does not look at the color of your skin. God does not look at your spiritual pedigree. God looks to give to all men. So when you come to him, don't feel like you got to get into some special in crowd for God to hear you. No, God gives to all. And he says he gives to all men liberally. You know, that, that idea of that word liberally, there's, there's two ideas. One is probably what we think of when we typically think of the English word. Um, he, it's like he heaps on us more than we need, right? And that is certainly one of the ideas. But I found as I was studying this, several commentators said there is another idea to this word that we often don't focus on. And the idea of this is that this idea of God giving is God gives with a single-minded focus. Okay, so some of us men here are very one-track minded, okay? In fact, uh, pastor's brother, uh, one of his brothers traveled with me on a singing group years ago, and he's unmarried at the time, and we joked. We, we had, uh, we, he would say these things, he, he, he would, he, pastor knows this, he just throws stuff out and says stuff, and you know, it was clear he wanted to be married. And we all had this joke, we would all say, OTM stood for one-track mind, okay? You know, men, I think we're disposed this way. You know, we get on a project and don't bother me with other things. You know, I'm just going to get this one project done. And that could be good, that could be bad. But you know, God has a one-track mind. And his one-track mind is for your good. His one-track mind is to give you everything you need to be everything you can be to be able to tackle any challenge in your life, to be able to stand strong in any difficulty. God, all day long, is thinking of one thing and one thing only. How can I bless my child? So when we come to God, we got to recognize He gives to all, and He also gives to all men in a way that is so much more than you need, he gives to all men in a way that is his consuming passion and desire. It is what, if I could say it this way, it's what gets him up in the morning. Okay, you know what gets me up in the morning? Coffee. Anybody else like that? I don't really get up much without my coffee. In fact, I got up this morning and I opened up the cabinet and I saw a big old can of decaffeinated coffee. And I thought, this will not do. <laughs> so I went on a little hunt this morning, and I found a big old can of caffeinated coffee. And you know what? But, but you know what? Before then, I was on a mission. I was on a mission. I was, I was going to walk over to the grocery store if I had to, okay, to get me some caffeinated coffee. God, what gets God up in the morning is you. What gets God up in the morning, again, I understand. I'm, God doesn't wake up like that. He doesn't sleep. But... What God is passionate about is being a blessing to you, meeting your need, bringing you to the point that you do not lack so we can come to God. Because it doesn't matter who you are, God wants to bless you. He wants to give you what you need. It doesn't matter uh, whether, whether you have failed some. It doesn't matter whether you are um, uh, new at this or a veteran at this. God wants to bless you more than you can even imagine. There's one more qualifying uh, statement that he makes here. He says, and upbraideth not. And upbraideth not. 
You know, I wrote this about this passage. He doesn't look for reasons not to give you what you need. You know, sometimes I think that we imagine things about God that are just plain not true. And we imagine that maybe we find ourselves in a time of need where we recognize, whether through preaching, a Bible study, maybe reading a book or something, uh-oh, <laughs> I've not been doing right here. And, and maybe we, we come to God and we're kind of sheepish and, and we're kind of thinking, I don't know, God, uh, I, I've kind of messed up over here. And, and we kind of imagine that God says, okay, <clears throat> let me pull out my list. All right. <clears throat> Have you been reading your Bible? Oh, oh, you have? Oh, good. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll consider three times a week sufficient. Okay. Um, have you been tithing? Oh, I don't know. Have you been angry with your wife recently? Have you been praying for at least 20 seconds every day? And we feel like God goes through this checklist before he blesses. And it's almost like we're imagining that when we come to God, I, I just went through the airport yesterday and they have those things, right? You walk into the, the little tube and you put your hand like that and wonk and somebody gets a, <clears throat> a photo that nobody wants to see, you know, of you. And, uh, and, you know, the TSA guys, they're examining it for something wrong. That's their job. I mean, I walked through, and I don't know if I look suspicious, but I got a pat down. And it's because I, I forgot to take my Apple Watch off. That's why, okay? But, you know, it's almost like we think that God's like a TSA agent. That whenever we come to him, we kind of got to stand like this, and God goes, Wong! And God takes the image that he gets and pulls out a microscope and examines you very in-depth to see if there's anything wrong. And if there's anything wrong, oh no, you ain't getting nothing out of me, bro. That's not how God operates. That's not the God of the Bible. It says he upbraideth not. God doesn't find fault when we come to him in our lack. You see, sometimes we think that God pulls out his magnifying glass to see if we're worthy of his blessing, but that's not how our father works. He doesn't withhold his care because we lack some deed or virtue. His aim is to supply, not to scold. He doesn't ration his help and blessing only to the most holy or the most deserving. God will never refuse us the supply to our lack because of our lack. See, when we come to God, we need to come to him and recognize that the kind of God we come to is the God who gives to all he gives indiscriminately. He gives liberally and with a single focus. It's why he, it's what gets him up in the morning and he gives in a way that does not find fault. Listen, the reason why I start off the entire week with this is because in the morning service and tonight and throughout these sessions, I'm just going to tell you because I'm preaching the word of God, there are going to be some areas of lack that he points out in you. There are going to be some deficiencies that you discover about yourself. And if we come into this week expecting a beatdown, if we come into this week expecting God to just beat us up and spit us out on the other side, you're not going to be blessed very much this week. 
But if we come into this week recognizing the identification of my lack ought to drive me to my knees to come to God who's not looking to slap me over the head because I'm deficient, but who's looking to literally supply in the very area of insufficiency that I'm coming to Him about. He wants to bless. So then, when we are perhaps confronted, we can get excited. Because God showed us our lack so that He could meet it. So what I want to do here is I want to take our remaining time here in the next, the next uh, maybe 15 minutes, 10 minutes, I don't know what the schedule is exactly, 10, 15 minutes. And I want us to come to him. And I want us to come to him in prayer. And I want us to say to God, essentially, God, show me anything this week. I want you to show me my lack. I want you to show me where I come up short. And when you show me, I'm not going to run away, God. I'm not going to shrink back and hide like Adam in the garden. I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to pretend like it isn't there. I'm going to come to you. And I am going to seek you to meet my lack. Because you said, if we ask, if we ask him, he gives to all men, liberally, and doesn't find fault. So let's go ahead and, I don't know how you all do this normally, but let's go ahead and break up into groups, okay? And I want each one of you, it doesn't have to be a long prayer, but I want you to come before the Lord and I want you to say, God, please show me. Show me my lack. I'll listen. And I want you to meet me where I'm at. So let's go ahead and break up and we'll spend the remainder of the Sunday school time uh, seeking the Lord's face here this morning. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.